This is the TFT Podcast, Theory for Turntables. I'm Matt. That's Ryan. Ryan, I know I'm headed for the bottom, but I'm riding you all the way. Matt, first it steals your mind, and then it steals your soul. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm surprised we both got pretty deep cuts from the album Super Unknown by Soundgarden. That's right. After a, uh, uh, after a quarter spent in the uh, female-driven pop records in current release, after a quarter spent with Lord, with Halsey, with uh, Amber Kaufman, with um, Feist, with... Uh, uh, the, the Heim sisters? The the, the sisters Heim, uh, we're we're back with the angry white dudes of uh, Seattle, and back in back in the nineties, and kicking off a historical quarter with uh, with Soundgarden. Now uh, this was on this was on the docket for last uh, quarter, and or the quarter before last, the last historical quarter. It got bumped for something. Where you know we're always sort of adjusting, uh, we're always sort of adjusting the programming as we try to construct a narrative out of all this music that we listen to, and try to find interest things that are more interesting to talk about, and. Um, the sad death of Chris Cornell uh, pushed it back onto the agenda. Uh, you know, not that that's, uh, I don't know, that sounds a little callous, but, you know, it it, uh, it made us want to give it a second look, uh, both, both as a tribute um, and uh, because it was sort of historically important and, and largely an outlier uh, in, I think, sound-wise in, in a lot of that Seattle grunge sound, right? And th- this is, I didn't know a ton about Soundgarden, though, though for what it's worth, like, Soundgarden and Mudhoney were the bands that my friends who like played guitar and were cooler than me, uh, or who like affected an attitude of being cooler than me uh, in eighth grade, listened to. Right? This, these were the the bands that like. Um, well, you know, you like that commercial shit like Nirvana. This is, you know, you you you, you got to listen to Super Unknown and Bad Motorfinger and you know. Um, and and things like this. So like I have a particular uh I have a particular sort of set of associations with this uh uh with this record and you know it's uh I you know I don't know it's it's the the experience of listening to it has definitely I don't know I think we'll have I think we'll have a lot to say about it uh in in you know 2017. Was this was this a record that was on your personal in your personal sort of head canon of uh grunge music when you were a teenager? It, it was, and it's it's interesting because it, I, I did associate it with um, another album that you actually pointed out in our um, pre-show chat uh, was released on the same day, which is uh, Nine Inch Nails' The Downward Spiral, right? These were both albums released on March 8th, 1994. Um, and these were both albums uh, that my cousin, who was about three or four years older than me, owned on CD. I did not actually have a CD player at that time. And so I definitely, I mean, that were those were my, like, Tri- trips to my cousin's house uh, were trips to the the grunge rock fire hose kind of, uh, and I, I would have you know I would get pieces of um, what was going on. Um, I don't know if we even had MTV quite yet at that time. There were a few years in the early '90s where we did not have MTV, so you would I would hear things at school. I would hear whisperings of things or snippets of songs uh, in passings or when at friends' house, uh, and then. 
you know, going to uh, my cousin's house would be the chance to um, listen to the whole album as much as possible and occasionally tape things. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that um, this super unknown and, um, and, and downward spiral may even, I may have even taped them on different sides of the same cassette. Cause yeah. I, I got them in the same trip. Um, and so, and, and it's interesting because Sonically, there's a lot of difference, but the, there's a there's a kind of sense of darkness that I that I kind of see in both of these, especially in the singles, right? In in the kind of overriding singles um, from um, from Super Unknown, which I, I kind of see as especially kind of in the long run. Um, oh, uh, Black Hole Sun, uh, and I see, there's just something about the kind of darkness and the kind of very kind of memorable, memorably dark music video that feels of a time with um, with the music video for Closer, right? And um, as much as they are, you know, for those who are um, parsing the finer parts of genre and subgenre uh, <laughs> uh, and, and who were kind of old heads of either uh, band at the time, um, they would not lump them together. Kind of, they, they were very kind of contemporaneous for me and were these kind of darker and slightly scarier um uh the, the darker and slightly scarier musics of 1994 i definitely me. yeah i definitely had the same experience in terms of it being slightly scary uh, as a kid right Did, is it, i feel like this cousin has made an appearance uh in stories on tft before is this the cousin who could get records with parental advisory stickers on them yes yeah, that that is correct. Yeah, uh, th- th- that is the same. Uh, and and I think that um, downward spiral was one of those. Yeah, um, I, I, don't I don't see don't why this would be. Though Soundgarden yeah. had like they they had a, a song that had the word sex in the title or something like that on an earlier record, and so there was some sort of parental objection. There was some basis for parental objection to Soundgarden uh, because even if this record did not have sex, it was sex adjacent, and that you know <laughs> that was probably. Uh, enough to uh, piss off Tipper Gore or you know someone like that. Yeah, spoon man is is what you do after 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 doing it. You spoon a man. <laughs> you spoon man. Oh, I thought that yeah. was a drug thing. You know, I thought it was supposed to be a drug thing. Though though all the all the references, all the secondary material says that it it is actually about a particular guy who played spoons. Um, and, and, like it, it, like the Spoonman works on several levels. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's unlike a lot of the the rest of the album in that it seems to have a certain amount of levity, right? <laughs> like, like you know, Nirvana is pretty bleak. Like Kurt Cobain's lyrics are are pretty bleak, and and we sort of know in retrospect that guy's head wasn't a, a super happy place to live. But it's leavened a little bit by a sense of the absurd, right? Um, Pearl Jam has a kind of exuberance, right? Again, like Pearl Jam is bleak and, and more than bleak is kind of nasty sometimes. But but there's a, in the kind of riff rock of, of Pearl Jam, there's like this, uh, I don't know, there's a, there's a fire, right? Like there's an energy and that motor is what is what sort of leavens the bleakness here outside of the singles well i i will get into this more but like man <laughs> it's a it's a 74 minutes or so and it's a yeah. tr- it's a trudge a lot of it and i i, I like i want to talk about genre i want to talk about kind of the experience and the sort of uh the the instrumental use of this music and i want to talk about all of those things but we should give everyone a chance to listen to um 
uh, to super unknown. So like for this music, I'd, I'd recommend, you know, turning off all the lights in your bedroom, right? Like, (laughs) right. Like, uh, just, just, uh, screaming, you know, as loud as you can. You don't understand me, dad. You don't understand me. Fuck you. As loud as you can over and over and over until you bring yourself into a trance-like state of, of nearly euphoric rage. And then just crank this record up as loud as you can uh, and and play it until the walls shake and people like your neighbors or something come banging on your door. Pretend they're your parents uh, banging on your door and ignore them. And, uh, you know, shout abuse, shout obsession obscene abuse at them through the door and uh it's probably not enough time to call the police so that when uh when the album is over uh you can you can open the door and say what seems to be the problem officer when your neighbors uh when your neighbors rat you out um it's also it's also great for a jog So uh, you can put this podcast on pause, listen through to uh, to Super Unknown. Oh, the canonical version of Super Unknown, by the way, is uh, through is fifteen songs long. It's it's through like Suicide, though there is a uh, there was a sixteenth song, and then there are some special editions uh, in other editions of the record. So that you know, spend uh, spend seventy minutes. That you know, if you're not really a runner, that's an ambitious jog. But uh, but you know, maybe the maybe the the chugging guitar will uh uh you know give you motivation to to keep going and uh meet us back here after this word from our commercial sponsor are you trying to eat a bowl of soup uh yeah it's uh it's it's all it's awful I, I have nothing but my hands to eat with yeah so it, how's it going not not well no I no it's really uh it's really difficult the soup is hot i like i i make a little cup with my hand and i try to to cup it up and it doesn't work why not try a spoon man wow <laughs> go on well what if what if I told you that little cup that you make with your hand could be made out of metal? Wow, you're you're literally blowing my mind. Yeah. Just ease that ease that spoon into your hand and d- give that a try. Huh. Ooh, I'm slurping my soup like a like a pro. Mm, it's like uh it's like this rhythm that I feel on my own. Yeah. And don't worry, soon enough you'll be feeling it in your bones. Mm, I, 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 there are there are chicken bones in this soup. It's uh, delicious. Mm, well, uh, I'm coming together with my hands in thanks to you, Spoon. You're welcome, Spoon. <laughs> and we're back, Ryan. I have a question. Great, I have one for you, but I, I feel like we we may be aligning on 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 our questions. So I I accept your uh, your question with arms wide open. Uh, this this super unknown, with its being made by a bunch of white guys from Seattle, uh, with it being around, you know, being in the scene with Pearl Jam and and uh, Eddie Vedder and Chris Cornell, you know, being bros and hanging out. Um, the uh, you know uh, with uh, uh, being a Seattle band at the time of grunge is is this a grunge album? It's a new metal album in a grunge era. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it's definitely more it sounds more like hardcore than it sounds like uh Nirvana for sure, right? 
Yeah, or and and like I mean, and I say new metal, right? And that I mean, I think that there were always. I mean, there's definitely a little bit of the old metal still around, right? It's the the old gods and the new gods of metal, <laughs> um, and 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 so the the old gods of metal are present in kind of the faster songs. Um, and so there's there's definitely a bit more metal than grunge. Um, and so, like on songs like "Super Unknown," on songs like um, "My Wave," these these feel like kind of like hard rock songs, right? Um, and uh, and and I think that part of what takes those songs there is Chris Cornell's um, vocal range and kind of it, it, when he goes higher, it feels kind of more of a piece even with like the harder 80s metal i mean with like guns and roses or something like that um and then he he doesn't have the whale though you know what i mean like his his upper his upper yeah. range his upper range is sort of gentler uh almost like almost like crooning rather th- rather than kind of yeah. yelping like axel or uh the you know almost operatic high tenor of what dio or like meatloaf or yeah. something yeah, like yeah. that no, but it's but it's there, but and 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 there's it's definitely soars in a way that um, few of the, I mean, right? Because grunge, one of the like you know, grunge is part of how you get the grunge on your vocals is they're kind of dragging around in the mud, right? And and that Chris Cornell is kind of the, at least the vocals are kind of above the muck a little bit, and then. I think the, the where the new metal ishness comes in is that you know I guess the other way to kind of describe this is that what it if if it's if it is grunge it's a qualified yes in that it is kind of prog grunge right um, and 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 the prog comes in through the time signatures and the tunings that. I think that and 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 if there's any antecedent in grunge, um, it's um, actually a band that you and Jordan talked about earlier in the year is uh, Alice in Chains, um, and there are some of those kind of what's going on melodically reminds me a little bit of that. But they were also kind of an outlier within within grunge and had these kinds of um, major elements of kind of metal and hard rock, um, but were, were grudge adjacent. Um, I think this is, you know, Soundgarden at the time of this record is seeing themselves as much more as part of this scene, um, but are, I think, really are kind of like, progressive not not you know politically necessarily but progressive um kind of in terms of genre and artistic intent um and i think though what that is doing is that uh, like the great poets of the 90s uh semi-sonic said <laughs> right closing time every new beginning comes from some other beginnings end <laughs> right and <laughs> uh and and I'm, I'm not saying that there's necessarily this is the last grunge album and the first new metal album but that there is in a lot lot of the ways that they prog up their their grunge by adding these um both um these these kind of more adventurous musical instruments uh musical elements and drawing on um elements of kind of older metal really set the scene i think that while 
that set the scene for things that sound like the new metal of the late, late um, 90s and early 2000s, even though they are not that themselves, right? Um, I mean, like, especially when I was first listening to this, uh, the, the the question I jokingly asked punk correspondent Rachel D is, is this is Soundgarden butt rock? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I mean, her answer was, yes, definitely. <laughs> when can we listen to something else? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I thought, I thought that uh, that her her punk rock beat uh, also uh, extended to heavy metal. Uh, oh you know, no, they're, heavy they're metal coverage. Different. Yeah, they're very they're very different. Oh, she doesn't cover both beats. She's only she's only on one. Is what you're saying? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I, I think Mark is our de facto metal correspondent. Yeah, uh, that's that's definitely that definitely ma- makes sense. I put uh, in in our pre-show chat. I'm, I'm searching for a quote that I. Uh, that I put into that uh, that chat as we were preparing. It's something that that Chris Cornell said uh, in 2007, um, uh, just about in you know in it kind of reflects on what you said. Ah, yes, in a uh, interview. Um, let me see what the outlet is with something called Artisan News Service whatever that is. Uh, In 2007, Chris Cornell said, I think, and this is now with some distance in listening to the records, uh, but on the outside looking in, with all earnestness, I think Soundgarden made the best records out of that scene. I think we were the most daring and experimental and genre pushing, really, and I'm really proud of it. Um, and that was the, the, I mean, that's his self, that's his, you know, modest self-assessment with the benefit of hindsight, you know, 15 years after they, uh, or I guess when did they break up 10 years after they broke up and, and 15 years ish after this, uh, after, uh, this record that we were talking about. And that's not, I mean, that's not wrong. I, I would just, yeah, I mean, I would go to another thing also just the the guitar sound is different from like the the and the engineering right like the there's a lot of this stuff i was listening to it uh both on speakers and on headphones um and on speakers there's a lot of it that sounds very dry that doesn't have that kind of reverby you know that that kind it, it's not in the the grunge chamber you know like it hasn't right. been like there's a there's a kind of crispness to the edges of the sound and and the guitar sounds are a little more uh the guitar sounds are a little more biting uh and a little less distorted cuz like one of the you know one of the aspects of nirvana sound is this this almost noise noise rock noise aspect yeah. of the the kind of distortion guitar wall of sound um and this is de- you know there's definitely a little more bite uh a little more um cutting uh quality to the to the guitar sound and you know a lot of the times the the drums sound pretty uh um, I don't know, un unreverbed and things like this, and it just sounds like it just sounds like guys playing in a room rather than rather than it sounds like this sort of uh, I you know I don't know epic uh, epic thing. I mean, so is is Soundgarden a power pop band? <laughs> uh, I mean, th- they're yeah. I mean, it's sort of a prog power pop band right like that dark, and they're a dark dark prog power pop right yeah they're they're like they're like uh sufjan stevens metal you know like with the uh, uh, with the time signatures right the time signatures yeah and also the kind of the the slightly when he's when he's singing a, a kind of slightly more ballady thing and in a slightly higher register he has that that sufjan uh angelic sufjan uh 
sound, you know? Right. So this is like, like this is an alternate, uh, <laughs> this is an alternate Sue Stevens where it's a project to write a, an album about each of 50 states of despair. Right. right? <laughs> um, and that's, that's pretty much what we, uh, it's pretty much what we have here. And Spoonman is sort of a, uh, Spoonman is sort of a, an outlier in that because of the, the kind of levity that uh that it that it injects and because it's about something else than than feeling miserable and like the the way the world can't um the way the world can't offer you any happiness well uh, and and it, and it was kind of a written as kind of a joke or a dare right that i i think that um what the uh, one of the uh rumored origin stories of the song is that there was a fake um set list from the film si- uh, singles for the band that was like uh depicted in, in that uh film and and so uh jeff ament from pearl jam was uh working on this um and, and made this fake sit uh, set list uh, and spoon man was one of those songs and so chris cornell <laughs> set set out to write a real spoon man song um and and so that there is a sense of kind of camaraderie and i mean there's several things right about that origin story one is i mean you know just the fact that once you're friends with the other people in grunge bands and you're in a band you're you're kind of you are in a grunge band right because yeah. <laughs> you're you're in a grunge scene and you're reacting to that um even um and then and then the second is that for all of i mean there, there's this interesting polarity in the uh, in this in this music between the despair between the alienation and the loneliness and then these moments of camaraderie and friendship whether it is like this origin story of spoon man or kind of the song itself um or um you know even the the up-tempo songs which really do just rip as like kind of hard rock songs um and and even weirdly moments of of black hole sun I and mean, i think we'll talk more about black hole sun and it's 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 very odd because it's it's you know definitely on the darker end of the spectrum um you know it's it's pure darkness <laughs> um and yet there and yet there it's anthemic right uh and and so that and there are these moments of um uh, of kind of transcendence in that and 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 so that's what's i think tough about this band right it's not right that this isn't Black Hole Sin also has the loud, soft, the soft, loud yeah. structure, right? Like yeah. that, that's uh, typical of of a lot of like classic grunge songs, right? Right, and so this is like different, also from like like the Metallica's Black album, right? That we discussed um, last year, um, which is a lot more, you know, kind of pure pure rage and and alienation um that there are these senses of, of levity and and i mean um Spoonman is absolutely the most prolonged and prominent one um but there there are others that are flecked throughout um that are that are also curious yeah it's interesting maybe this is just retrospect but it feels like i mean i keep coming back to this thing of like what a trudge a lot of this is to listen to you know I, as we were talking uh before we started recording i said like it's you know I didn't know this album, or you said I didn't know this album beyond the uh, beyond the singles. And I said I've been listening to it all week, and I still don't know it beyond yeah. beyond the singles. It's a little hard to to sort of in that sludge to kind of find um, something to to grab onto. Even even while like as I listen to it, I can appreciate a, a lot of great artistry, like a lot of like really. 
uh, good guitar playing, you know, good riffs, like uh, stuff that that goes into it. And I, I also, I mean, I like the I like the weird time signatures because it's a, because it feels like. Um, I don't know. It feels like someone is trying something and it's not just yeah. like, because it, it, what it feels like is it's not stock, you know, right. It's a, right, speaking, right. speaking of Metallica, it's not stock. It's not like, uh, someone is just like, um, going with the default setting on yeah, yeah. Any, any of these things. Like it's, uh, right. you know, and the, the kind of the willingness to kind of question more fundamental things like, like time signature though there is a str- I mean, like I have a theory of sort of weird time signatures in, in, uh, uh, rock rock music that that goes from like the strong to the weak, right? And the weak use of weird time signatures is like in Spoonman, where the the chorus is like Spoonman two three four five six seven Spoonman two three four, <laughs> you know what I mean? And the melody doesn't actually do it. But in Black Days, for example, the melody is really in uh, yeah. in the asymmetrical meter, and that to me is a much stronger. Um, that that's really uh a much stronger uh use of it and and that like even uh even that you know classic of seven four tori amos's god is uh is four four just with the beat taken away right like it's god sometimes you just don't come through five six seven god sometimes you don't don't come through and then for the for the real melodic part of the song it go it gets uh it goes into four so um yeah, i love the know. idea of four, four 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 times two minus one yeah right? yeah exactly uh <laughs> which is not the same as seven four <laughs> it's, it's not there's an organicness to uh to a seven four uh, there's an organic quality to a kind of asymmetrical yeah. time signature. Um, and you know, anyway, not to, not to, not to belabor it. Well, no, I think so that's interesting. So then why do fake, fake seven, four, right? And you, I, you, you cash this out a little bit, but I think it's, it is, is it just kind of look at me? I'm <laughs> look at me. It's an, I'm in an odd time signature or like, like, I don't know if we want to kind of harp on on Spoonman, but like, what is what are the purposes of the the slight what you kind of have, have termed more the weaker um, t- uh, odd time signature? You know, I just think like I I think they come by it honestly. Uh, my theory is that with Chris Cornell's kind of background as a drummer, like there's yeah. some there's something about rhythm and like his his singing mm. is uh, you know it, he's always like right in the pocket with lyrics, like he's good you know he's good at singing rhythms and stuff and like um i i just think that there's there's a uh sort of a fascination or there's a um there's a way in which this is kind of the natural language that that he speaks and like even if you know uh you know not not to to belittle spoon man or tori amos's god right like being able to write that groove like write that groove that, that loops and works okay in uh in seven, especially, uh, especially when it kind of naturally goes, um, you know, the, cause the Spootman groove is like, da, 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 ba, da, ba, da, da, ba, da, 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 ba, 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 da, 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 da. It doesn't necessarily, I mean, it's not the most, like what one phrase doesn't necessarily lead into the other. It, it really ends definitively. And then, uh, and then, uh, just, just picks up again. Um, but uh 
but I don't know if it, like Black Days works works a little bit where there's just this kind of loping rhythm to the song and it's it's yeah. just a little I mean it's just a little off kilter. I mean I think that like there is an aspect of kind of alienating and, and confounding it right like uh, confounding people because Soundgarden were were susceptible because they they left Sub Pop and signed with a major label. Um, they were susceptible to being uh, accused of selling out. Like they toured with um, they toured with Guns N' Roses on the Use Your Illusion tour, and they they opened for them, right? Like so, this was like you know what do you? This at a time when it was very uncool to be seen to want uh mm. to want fame you know and um a little bit like it's it's like oh yeah you think we're you think we're you know selling out you think we want fame like we we've made grooves that you can't even dance to cuz they're in asymmetrical time signatures right i guess i guess it's it's less dance music and more kind of like headbanging music but uh uh still i mean i you know fair fair point to them that like it's not uh it's less user friendly than you might uh, than you might imagine from people who are trying to become the biggest band in the universe. Well, yeah, and I think, again, kind of staying on the other kind of element of non-user friendliness is, you know, the spoon-man-ness of it all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, I, but, and, and yet it's, it's this interesting thing, right? Like, because the spoon-man is an outsider, right? Um, and, and, and he's, you know, the, the, the myth of the spoon-man is, is a, a street performer in Seattle, but it's, it's their... Um, Right. Uh, and, and it's it's kind of there um, in the second verse. Right, All my friends are Indians. Uh, all my friends are brown and red and spoon man. All my friends are skeletons and beat the rhythm with their bones. And and I, I mean, what I've always kind of or how I've always read um, spoon man is about kind of the the kind of marginalized. Right. And um, and a celebration of 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 the marginalized um, and especially because and it's like a salvation in that. Right. Um, and uh, and a kind of a building of, of community. And so it's, you know, if it's going to be popular, it's because we are all the spoon man. Right. Uh, and, uh, and, and that there's a sense of this. It's again, it's, it's back to that dichotomy I was talking about before that there's a sense of both alienation and yet b- uh, belonging in the alienation nation. Right. Um, and, and so that in, in like being in recognizing, yourself in the spoon man you kind of realize that you're not you're not alone right yeah, well, and, and, and the spoon man is the is the is the man who has been able to kind of find a way to kind of find an exuberance right like to right. Uh, the, the word right. in the song is rhythm those it's been uh yeah. able to speak the rhythm on his own speak the rhythm all alone spoon man you know like that yeah. that and like even in the state of alienation the spoon man is you know a vector for salvation because the spoon man yeah. can uh you know can kind of of indoctrinate you into the rhythm or the rhythm is contagious or so, you know, something, yeah. something like that. Well, yeah. And the other thing that he said, the other word that's used in the outro is steal the rhythm. Yeah. Right. And so it's like re re um, right. It's reappropriating uh, the, the means of rocking, right? Like, <laughs> Spoonmen of the world unite. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You have nothing to lose, but your spoons. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, that, like come together with your hands literally means like play the spoons by like banging your hands together, but also like putting it saying like come together is, is, uh, you know, a little bit like there's a kind of utopian vision in, in some of that. Right. 
I mean, this is really interesting of thinking about the kind of coming together because, like, there's like n- more than a small amount of like light Beatlesness, Beatlesy vibes <laughs> on this album. And I did ask earlier if it was a power pop. Um, I mean, the other kind of bits of Beatlesness uh, that are the elements of kind of Eastern music, right? That there's a few of the songs that have some of these um, Middle Eastern flourishes and um, slightly kind of um, Indian flourishes as well that kind of connects to the um you know the beatles kind of post revolver um sitar experiments um and then on uh, super unknown it reminds reminds me a lot um of um the song tomorrow never knows uh, the last song on on revolver which was it was the beatles at their most I mean, like, is Revolver is the album before Sgt. Pepper's, so it's kind of, you know, as they're really entering kind of psychedelia, um, and and um, Tomorrow Never Knows is this kind of spaced out John Lennon song, um, and that there is a lot of the delivery in um, in in Super Unknown, um, it, I feel is like super. Um, inspired by and kind of in dialogue with things like um uh, tomorrow never knows and that it's, it's it's there is a chant like quality um and i feel like that that's similar right if, if tomorrow never knows is about kind of eternity and, and infinity and the void um so is super unknown right yeah um, yeah I, so, well i think yeah. that's right i mean a, a couple things uh, a couple things with that there i think there's a chantiness even to the more straight ahead rockers on yeah. on this like the way uh a song like black days has a like a melodic verse and then the chorus is very chanty and like there's Mm -hmm. there is something you know kind of like uh where it becomes like an incantation the other thing Mm -hmm. i mean i i'll say about this is that like it seems to me this was this band was really a ship of theseus in that like very early on they started replacing personnel though i guess they Mm -hmm. settled they had settled on the lineup before um that would be that would be consistent until uh, uh chris cornell died um but the the uh the the like there was a there is a sense when you replace band members and this is like with reunion tours and things like this like with what is the what's Mm -hmm. the irreducible essence of the band and just like the sort of irreducible essence was the kind of eyeball to eyeball uh you know uh communion of 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 lennon mccartney like the the um it's uh uh kim thale and chris cornell you know who are the Mm. like as um as sort of guitarist and drummer as singer drummer sing drummer drum singer you know what i mean like uh as you know uh, you know what this you know what this uh album does not have a lot of that makes it that makes it unique um for a record that features that from a band featuring such a good guitar player doesn't have a lot of guitar solos doesn't have a lot of guitar solos right and it's that not is, that yeah. is odd and the guitar and, is and more. I would, the, have, I would have realized that. Like I, I kind of just still assume that there are guitar solos there. But the, you're, you're right. They're not there. I'm, I'm, my brain is inserting the guitar solos where there are none. So a couple of things. Like a lot of the riffs are intricate enough that it's like there are guitar solos going on all the time. Uh, a little bit, right? It's because it's not. There's no like chugga 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 on on you know rhythm guitar on. Uh, this record it's all um the the kind of the lead lines become part of a part of a texture and that kind of rhythm bed that sort of groove is the is the um 
you know, as a, the basis for a lot of the, a lot of the song, but then also there is this, like, there is this artiness to it, right? Like, uh, uh, where it's, where it really is kind of a, a collective, um, a collective effort rather than being, um, rather than being something where, uh, the spot, you know, jazz style, the spotlight goes from, from, soloist to soloist and and there are some but they're they're a lot less than you would a lot less than you would think and i don't think there are any in the in the major singles yeah i think that's i think that's right um that's really interesting and so i mean i guess that puts it though more in kind of grungy land right kind of um and away from that's a that's a point away from the metal category right because i i do feel like the 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 soloing is much more of a metal trip. sure it's it's a metal trope and it, it's a metal trope and a butt rock trope as well the kind of guitar heroics uh right. you know what i mean whether or not they're actually is in some of the butt rock guitar heroics are not actually that technically complicated all the you know high note wailing and stuff like that but like um it does sort of spotlight uh, it does put a does put a spotlight on it. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, you know, I don't know. It's interesting. There are um, like there are guitar solos on ten. Uh, I yeah, I don't. You probably yeah. I, it's You're one. Right. Of, I, you know, it's one of these things that you could pro you could probably like if you actually plotted it out on on paper. Um, you, the the distinction might not hold to the extent. Right. But it definitely feels what what I'm saying feels true. Right. Like yeah, that yeah, is yeah. to say, without without details or special circumstances and without like statistical confirmation, um, the narrative of there aren't a lot of guitar solos on this album feels true. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's that's very that's very interesting. I'm mean, I'm trying to think about uh, one of the songs where I feel like my mind keeps putting a guitar solo in, but I, I agree with you that the none is there. Is Black Hole Sun? Yeah, and it's so odd, right? I think there's like a phantom guitar solo that is that is there, um, but I guess in, there are ways in which like the whole song has elements of a a plaintive guitar solo. I mean, what 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 are your kind of impressions of? I mean, this is the I mean, I mean, there are several huge hits on this, but for I mean, for me, this is the like towering hit. I mean, I just remember in that like summer, I guess, of '94, that this was like inescapable on on MTV, and and um, was a was a super like was was just a massive hit in on the um on the kind of modern rock uh charts. Oh yeah, and and on MTV it was inescapable. The video was inescapable on MTV. Um the it's funny the geniuses at genius uh have a guitar solo box in uh Black Hole Sun. Um in the but it's it's kind of mixed up to me in that like uh black hole sun black hole sun sort of section like the kind of at that sort of outro or bridge section or something right. like that um and, and uh even the 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 genius annotator has said the solo here is a bit less traditional than solos <laughs> tend to be it's like what do you mean what do you, what do you mean by that like since <laughs> i feel like we're we're reading you know freshman comp Position papers. Since the dawn of time, guitars have struggled with the question of soloing. Um, 
I I like the lyric writing of Black Hole Sun. The the to me the best the best lyrics on this have a almost mystical quality to them or a non a non literal quality where there's there's just almost some kind of unconscious or you know non uh, uh, illogical right kind of irrational thing to it like Spoonman a little bit like non sequiturs mm-hmm. and things like this and this um, it's more it I think it succeeds at creating an atmosphere like in the idea of like Black Hole Sun. Like, what is that even a little bit, you know, like, uh, oh, the sun's like the sun to me. Is it that the sun to you is a black hole because you're so miserable? Is it like a post-apocalyptic thing? Is it about how society is destroying everything good? Like it's, you don't know, you know, it's whatever. It's nothing. It's, it's everything and nothing. And that, and it's a very good because it's available. It's a signifier that's kind of available to interpretation in a lot of different directions and kind of depending on what you, depending on what you bring to it. Now it's, it's definitely a negative valence, right? Like right. The, the idea of like snake disgrace stench, um, like the, uh, scream, scream. Yeah. Uh, call my name. Is the, is this lyric, right? That I'm reading, call my name through the cream and I'll that hear you not, scream that, again. That does not sound right. <laughs> cause that's, cause like putting, putting cre- rhyming cream with scream in that is like, I scream, you scream. We all scream for call my name through the cream that's yeah, we uh, all scream for the end of the known world <laughs> um but yeah and and it's a little bit like um i don't know any any song that paul anka can can cover with a, a jazz orchestra is is has got to be a good song right like you sent me that clip i mean i so you're you're a fan of the i had not i actually was not familiar with the paul anka cover um, i i heard it i i don't know if if black hole sun was the one that i heard but um but he released an album of these sort of rock and grunge songs, uh, popular songs that were done with this like big band jazz orchestrations. And, you know, he was an arranger uh, and kind of a producer, I think, really more at a higher level of excellence than he was a uh, uh, he was a performer. And so these, these, you know, arrangements that he's done of these, uh, these grunge songs are really fantastic. Like to the point where they, they, they are good in their own right. It's not just the novelty of like, you know, Hey, we're covering black hole sun on a ukulele or something like that. It's it, it, they're, they're actually good. Uh, they're good tracks and, and reward repeated listening. And I heard one on the radio and I bought, I bought the record. So I was aware of it. I think when this, when it was released, the Paul, Anka Rock Swings album was uh, was uh, uh, released on on CD and like there's something you know this is the this is something that I I kind of come back to time uh, from uh, time and time again there is a there is a kind of um, there for some songs there is a sort of irreducible goodness um, to the song right the song is a durable structure that can survive translation into a lot of different uh, realizations you know yeah um, and that like uh, the more to a certain extent the more varied the realizations where the song is still recognizably itself, um, the better the song is from a, from a certain point of view. That would, I mean, it's one possible definition of, of what a good song is like. And the, um, 
uh, yeah. Uh, the actually, I mean, speaking of Tori Amos, she covered uh, as a B side covered "Smells Like Teen Spirit" in a uh, in a cover that was uh, played on alternative radio a lot, and that you know that's another good song like it has a, a really good melody in the verse um that uh you know again can sort of survive that um can survive that translation um yeah and and uh and uh, you know i don't know so what does your is this does this line up with what your experience of 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 uh black hole sun is yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was it was odd to, to hear Polanka sing it because of uh, of the strong valence of the chorus, right? Uh, and and I think that it's it's so interesting because it's like it's it's like when he sings it and it's sung in this jazz way, um, it, it like it's just. It, 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 it he puts the emphasis on the sun rather on the black hole right that it's like he's singing it in part as if it could live in the like a- alongside here comes the sun right? <laughs> <laughs> but like you know here comes the black hole sun is is a different right because like the lyrics uh for you know george harrison's Beatles song here comes the sun is and like and it's all right right and i guess well it is interesting right Is that it is it is like I guess the message of Black Hole Sun is also one that it is all is it's all right. But like how I read Black Hole Sun is, um, you know, is is that our sun like wouldn't it be nice if our sun just died and 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 did the things that stars do when they die which is like destroy everything in their proximity yeah. right um and and because it's it's this sense of a great cosmic eraser right because because that's the 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 couple of right black hole sun um won't you come and wash away the rain right the rain what's the rain what's that dichotomy about that's interesting yeah it's like well so the rain i mean i think the rain is is sadness right so like this is about kind of oblivion and sadness um and and it is it's this is hard i mean it's hard not to read this and and super unknown um you know in light of of chris cornell's suicide right and um because that that it seems to be kind of toying with this idea of kind of nothingness right and but i think this is even different because it doesn't even have this because in the sense of taking one's own life it is it's 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 praying for a a catastrophe uh and a but and not a catastrophe to happen to one person to to one's enemies uh, or to the haters right uh or to the posers um but it is to because it's not that it ends it does end the rain but it ends all things uh, um right and, <laughs> it only yeah, it only ends the rain as a subset of of, of ending everything but it's effective, right? It's like it's effective in ending the rain. And so, if you really hate rain, um, then you then that you could be in the market for a black hole sun, right? And and it's it's I mean it is this it's 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 a song of extremity, right? Um, and and so it is again. So it was odd to kind of hear it. And so it was odd to hear it kind of sung in a way that was well, kind of positive, positive <laughs> right? right. Yeah. Uh, well, but it, I mean, yeah, I don't know. There's, there's, there's something, 
almost uplifting about that yeah. chorus though, right? The way that yeah. it the way the way that it comes in and even the kind of the manifest content of the lyrics can't yeah. can't sort of dampen how anthemic, how like oh, how, totally. how satisfying that arrival is uh at the uh at the chorus. Um well, there's there's a real hope in the desire for the rain to be washed away, uh-huh. right? Um, and so there's that brief moment of, of like no rain, <laughs> um, um, but it, it's like at what cost, right? Um, and it's the you know the end of of everything as we know it because it's getting sucked into the black hole, right? Yeah. Um, um, and that's uh, it's it, yeah. So it is, and and we we, can, we kind of keep hitting this right that there are these these dichotomies of this kind of bleakness and yet this uplift is not quite the right word, but there is something kind of exalted about it. Um, and that's that is, I think, where this kind of um, you know this this the artistry is that there's a working through or kind of a struggle that is, that is there. And it's, um, yeah. Well, yeah, there's at least, there's at least kind of a strong wish, right? Like in something about something about that, about kind of wanting something strongly kind of makes it not depressing. Like, you know, just moving, moving to a different single, you know, uh, black days, right. Which, uh, is, uh, is not in the kind of mystical or quasi irrational, um, songwriting mode. It is uh, super literal. Yeah, <laughs> it is super known. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and uh, and the lyrics of like uh, whatsoever I feared has come to life. Whatsoever I fought off became my life. Just when every day seemed to greet me with a smile. And this is, I mean, this is an interesting thing, right? It's a, it's a, you, you sort of make it seem worse by saying, oh, dude, I was, uh, bro, I was so close to being happy. Just when every day seemed to greet me with a smile. Sunspots have faded. Now I'm doing time. Now I'm doing time because I fell on black days. I fell on black days. Uh, and, and on and on, like these, these things, like, and even though they're not super specific like about uh, exactly what reality situations they they refer to they are you know they're very liter- literal they're not impressionistic um yeah. at all even the even like black days which is uh technically a metaphor right like black black days are uh are black because you know i don't know you leave the lights off or you cl- keep your eyes closed or you don't let the light in or they're kind of devoid of of the light of joy or hope because you're right. feeling bad like even that it doesn't feel it doesn't feel that way right like it feels um it doesn't feel like there's a meta you know the function of of metaphors to kind of open open up um language to uh like to a kind of a greater level to to a kind of almost sort of quasi numinous level of meaning beyond the literal and this doesn't like uh this doesn't have that it it's super it feels super confined um the the uh, the lyric writing. It's the, it's the blackness of it all, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's the opposite he's of because he's, he's painted. He's painted the windows. Yeah, yeah. he's right. Exactly. He's painted the windows and the and the walls. Right. Like and and uh, um, I I don't know. It's 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 hard to like. It's sort of hard to endure even a little bit because it's so it's so unpleasant. Right. 
Yeah, absolutely. And yet, like there are these moments in the um, song, in the the bridges, um, where there is this still kind of breaking through, right? The how would I knows? Um, there's something about it that is so effective um, because of how the verses and choruses are sung, and the chorus with the kind of um, trance-like uh, the characteristic. Then the how would I know has this? I mean, you're talking about um, his kind of history as a drummer. That the um, the rhythm of that and and the delivery the force of del- the delivery i mean it still gets me every time and, yeah. and I, I don't know it's it's just, just it's ex- extraordinarily effective um because that's like this I, th- there, I mean, there, there's a sense of still kind of raging, right? It's raging against the black day, right? yeah. rage against the falling of the black day. Yeah. It's right? almost a, yeah, it's almost a, it's almost a, a sort of another voice that, that emerges or a kind of final, like last ditch effort to do the thing. And also like it creates, um, uh, yeah. it, it creates, um, uh, it creates a sense of arrival, right? Cause that like, Da 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 bum. Like how would yeah. I know? Yeah. Um it's kind of like boom, 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 you know, on the on the the cadence of the drums or something like that. Um as opposed to yeah. fell on cool. black yeah. days. It's amazing to be to be arriving on the bridge, right? Um, and and I think there's something about that as a as a structural feature, right? Is that you think, oh, you you hear that the chorus is like, wow, this is it, um, and then it's a sneak attack arrival, right? Um, and and the, the that is from a structural perspective, really interesting. Is that that big hit and what one usually associates with a chorus um, is happening is, is shifted by one kind of uh, structural element into the bridges um and that that's I, I i'm sure there must be other examples out there but it's there's something very unique about it and i i think um it it definitely makes that stick in the mind um not necessarily more than the chorus but it, it kind of it puts the chorus um and the blackness of the chorus in in a kind of of relief. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I think that also like the, the sort of the sense of being kind of uh, the sense of being out of joint, the sense of like, you know, just when all the songs were about to revolt, resolve to four, four, you know, now, now, uh, the, there's something in a meter that feels a little, uh, feels a little asymmetrical and kind of the meter is a trope of the, of the alienation that the, that the lyrics are, are, um, all about, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that but it is interesting, right? There are so many off time signature songs or kind of off off tunings, right? So that the off colorness persists, right? And and that becomes I guess like the new normal. Right. Yeah. And I that's right, that's how I guess that's how that becomes kind of um a a the new metal, right? Uh, yeah, the new the new normal metal. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think it might be time to uh, it, it might be time to um, for the black hole sun to set and the uh, the uh, yellow sun to rise and for us to kind of emerge out of this um, 
out of this thing. So, you know, as a, as a uh, tribute to Chris Cornell and, and uh, for its own uh, manifest good qualities, it was interesting to, uh, to listen to this album. We'd love to know uh, what you think. Find us on Twitter at TFT Podcast, on Facebook, Theory for Turntables, or in the comments on the show notes for this section. We're, we're going to continue for the rest of the quarter. Uh, moving forward through the 90s, uh, great albums coming up. It, you know, it was a great decade for music, if only because it was the decade that we discovered music. And so it has the most authoritative music in it uh, for Ryan and me, for sure. And uh, we can't wait to share more uh, with you as we all continue to keep it real.